It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. on Cougars. This is your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Thanks for joining us on a Thursday edition of the show. A lot to get to like usual, talking about one of the more epic comebacks in BYU basketball history and our great moments of BYU sports. We'll get to that. Also need to talk a little bit about the transfer portal. BYU basketball in the running for a number of guard prospects. We'll talk about the chances they land one or two of these guys, as well as catching you guys up on everything else going on in BYU sports like we usually do. Today's show brought to you by our title sponsor here on the podcast and that is our good friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is a local company that makes delicious protein bars that taste just like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON right now and get $10 off your first order. It's a fantastic offer and we love having them as the title sponsor here on the podcast. With that rundown out of the way, let's get to it here. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for May 7th 2020. everybody. I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thanks again for taking the time to download this podcast, your daily podcast. I mean that sincerely, daily podcast as we talk BYU sports with you guys. Make sure to hit that follow button if you're listening to us on Spotify or the subscribe button if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts. That way you never miss one of these episodes as we make sure that you guys are always caught up on everything going on with the Cougars. Starting off today's show, wanted to look at the transfer portal for BYU basketball. And Robbie McCombs over at Vanquish the Foe did a good job looking at the different prospects or the different uh, guys still in the portal that BYU is reportedly in the mix for. And I thought he did a great job breaking down each of their games. So I wanted to highlight a couple of the players and people that are athletes I think that BYU basketball very much is in the mix for and if they might be able to land them. I think the first one, and because he said it himself, is Franco Miller, a redshirt sophomore from Ole Miss. Uh, Miller looking for more playing time. A kid that has a lot of athleticism. You can really see it in his game uh, from his film from high school, etc. He redshirted his first year in college after suffering a fractured kneecap that sounds just absolutely awful in terms of a, a an injury because that just sounds like you'd have a hard time doing much of anything. Uh, but Miller, his biggest thing is he has great size for a point guard, which is apparently what BYU is looking at. I guess I should start there. I've been talking about the fact that I felt like BYU is looking for a three and D defender in the transfer portal, a guy who can really shoot threes. But it appears based on everybody that has been in contact with BYU recently are more point guard prospects. So, and a lot of them also, in addition, are guys that are going to have to sit a year under the current NCAA rules where you have to sit out a year unless you're a graduate transfer. So it looks like more and more that uh, BYU basketball is content with the shooting they have on their roster, it appears, but are looking to set themselves up for after next year when Alex Barcelo, who is the presumed starting point guard for BYU going into the next season, 
is going to graduate. So it looks more and more likely that BYU is trying to kind of set themselves up for a continuity at the point guard position going forward. And Franco Miller fits that just fine. It's six foot three. Uh, They feel like his ability and the offers he had had out of high school, Ole Miss among others like Minnesota, Oklahoma, and Oregon, offering this Canadian international, they think that they could really pull some things out of him. He told uh, Ben Criddle in ESPN 960 that uh, BYU and Charlotte, as well as maybe some JUCO schools, are his top options. But I think BYU, if they were able to make a really good push here, might be able to land a kid like Franco Miller, and he could be kind of the next uh, point guard in the pipeline as he sits out the next year. Another another name that popped up recently that surprised me just because of his billing as a top prospect is Jalen Carey, a former player at Syracuse. He's also a redshirt sophomore. He was a four-star recruit coming from New York City in the class of 2018. Uh, Carey started off his career in his third game as a true freshman. He had 26 points and seven rebounds against UConn for the Orange at Madison Square Garden, but his numbers have kind of just declined ever since then. Uh, He averaged 3.5 points, 1.6 rebound, and one assist in 12 minutes per game as a freshman. As a sophomore, he only played in the first two games of last season before thumb surgery sidelined him for the remainder of the season, and then he decided he wanted to transfer. According to Jake Weingarten of uh, Stock Risers, does a great job covering all things basketball recruiting, especially the transfer portal. He said that Marquette, BYU, Creighton, Rhode Island, Alabama are among those in the mix for Jalen Carey. It will be interesting to see what happens with a kid like this because if he can live up to the billing Speaking of a kid like Kerry, well, you'd think that, okay, that's a guy that very much could be an impact player for BYU. I still think that Franco Miller is probably the more likely of these two to come to BYU, but obviously things can change. Uh, just yesterday, we learned that Jeremiah Francis, another point guard prospect, a transfer from North Carolina, he had BYU amongst his uh, top schools earlier on in the process, but he narrowed that to two schools yesterday, and BYU is not one of them. So it sounds like he is moving on here. I believe it was New Mexico and one other program. Of, oh, Dayton, yeah. New Mexico and Dayton were the two programs he apparently is deciding between. BYU is falling out of the mix for a guy like Jeremiah Francis. But we'll see if it, they can get back into the mix with him. Uh, one of the guys that I've talked about pretty heavily here on the podcast, if BYU does want to go the true offensive route, where a guy is just pure offense, it's Jonah Antonio from UNLV. The native of Perth, Australia, really just gets his shots up. Hasn't necessarily shot a high percentage from three during his career with the running Rebels in the college game, but uh, maybe BYU could be the right system for him to maybe cut back on his attempts, find better attempts or more high high percentage attempts and improve his percentage as a three-point shooter. Uh, He is a graduate transfer, but uh, like I I said, in looking at how BYU's kind of gone about the transfer portal in the last week or so, it appears that they're prioritizing uh, point guards versus guys who can just come in and be instant offense wing players like a Jonah Antonio. So it it looks very interesting to me all the way around, just kind of seeing how things go with uh, the transfer portal and how BYU is approaching this. One other name to keep an eye on that I think is going to be a longer shot is Anthony Nelson from Seton Hall. 
Uh, he has BYU still amongst his five schools, final five schools, alongside Oregon State, Manhattan, Long Beach State, and Rhode Island. Uh, we'll see what happens with Anthony Nelson. I think he's kind of down the list in terms of maybe guys that BYU is chasing heavily. But for all intents and purposes, it appears that BYU very much is in the mix for a number of point guard prospects, which is just a little bit of a change in terms of their philosophy. But I also understand why they're going about it because they're probably looking at their roster thinking, okay, we feel like we can bank on the shooting we've got on the roster right now. Maybe we can take that uh, final slot, the final scholarship that BYU has open currently and find a guy who can come in, maybe have to sit a year, and then be the point guard going forward once Alex Barcelo is finished up in a BYU uniform. I think that's a good way to think about it. It wasn't something that I had considered, but I'm not being paid the big bucks to make the calls on the BYU basketball program. I'm a second guesser, I guess, you could call it. I'm a podcaster who covers BYU as a media member, and I look at it a little bit differently, but I think this is a pretty wise move on BYU basketball's part to really do their due diligence, look at every option, kind of make sure that their roster is rounded out, not for just one year, but going forward beyond just next season. And I think that the point guards they're currently in the mix for, I think it's a fantastic way to go about it, and here's hoping that it pays off for them. All right, coming up here in just a second, we're going to get back to uh, we're going to stay with the BYU basketball vein and theme today. Going to get to another great moment in BYU sports history, one that I will never forget because it happened during my days as a student at BYU. We'll get to that here in just a second. Before we do that though, do need to talk to you today about our good friends at Built Bar. I mentioned them in the open. They are the title sponsor here on the Locked On Cougars podcast this month as well as the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network. Now, you're pro- probably wondering, what is Built Bar? Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. I can tell you guys, it's absolutely true. They've got 16 amazing flavors. Some of them have nut flavors. Others are like kind of fruit or nut-free flavors, I guess I should say. All of them covered in 100% chocolate, and they are awesome. Soft and easy to chew. You don't have to feel like you need to have a glass of milk to wash it down. Gone are the days of the chalky power bars and all the other different uh, health bars out there that seem to dominate the market for so many years. Built Bar is here to make it easy for you guys. It's great for the health conscious guy or gal. They help you lose or maintain weight while also indulging in a delicious treat. I can tell you guys this much. I had the peanut butter brownie flavor earlier today and it was incredible. I had it for breakfast. I've been kind of doing this as part of my breakfast routine uh, since we locked on here with uh, Built Bar. And these candy bars, they don't disappoint. I, I call it a candy bar. These Built Bars don't disappoint. Uh, they're low calorie, low sugar, but high protein and high fiber. So you know that it's something that can help you guys out regardless of whatever you're trying to do. You're trying to cut weight, maintain weight, or even put weight on. As an example, that peanut butter brownie flavor that I had this morning for breakfast, and it contains 20 grams of protein, just 170 calories, 3 grams of sugar, and 3 grams of net carbs, guys. These bars are absolutely fantastic. They taste delicious and they can help you guys out. And More importantly, Built Bar is a local company here in the state of Utah, so you are supporting the local economy when you support Built Bar. Right now, go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and you'll get $10 off your first order. Once again, use that promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. That's Built Bar, proud sponsor of Locked On Cougars and the Locked On Podcast Network. The 
NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We've been talking about some of the great moments in BYU sports history here on the Locked On Cougars podcast over the last two weeks. It's kind of been a theme that we've been running across the Locked On Podcast Network. Great moments in franchise or program history. And I wanted to talk about one in BYU basketball that is very significant to me because of just it, it really uh, was a big part of my collegiate experience while I was at BYU studying. Of course, I'm thinking back to 2012, March 13th, 2012, to be exact. And that is the night that BYU staged the biggest comeback in NCAA tournament history as the 14th-seeded Cougars, taking on fellow 14-seed Iona, uh, beat the Gales 78-72 after rallying back from that 25-point deficit. And it was just one of the more marvelous games I've seen in terms of just the sheer will and grit of a team to claw their way back into a game that they had no business winning probably at any point. Uh, Noah Hartsock scored 16 of his 23 uh, points in the second half to help BYU make that rally. Uh, Dave Rose, uh, quoted in a story here, said, The look in our players' eyes at that time was game on. We've got a chance here, and we were able to finish it off. Brandon Davies was on that team, added 18 points and Demarcus Harrison in his lone season for BYU had 12 points for the Cougars who advanced to take on third seed uh, Marquette in that tournament before bowing out against uh, the Golden Eagles but this game when I was a student at BYU there was a considerable uh, hype for this BYU team there was hope that hey they can go to Dayton in this first four matchup win this game and move on and see what they can do against Marquette but early on in this game Iona just took control. They rolled to a 25-point lead. It just... I wanted to turn the TV off, and I actually had a a friend of mine who I was watching the game with at our apartment in Provo who said, we got to stick with this. We got to see what happens here. And I said, okay, whatever. I, w- I just would have rather gone done something else. But uh, BYU starts putting on a little bit of a rally and you think, okay, they're doing some things here. Can they, can they make it worth the investment of watching the rest of this game? But they absolutely did it. And it was truly impressive. Iona uh, was going to have its first official NCAA tournament victory. It looked like after dominating in that first half. Uh, Scott Machado, if you remember that name, he had 15 points and 10 assists. The Gales, though, with the loss, they were 0-8 in NCAA play. They had their lone win in the NCAA tournament in 1980. It had been vacated due to NCAA violations. And the, the Cougars, to their credit, they just clawed, scratched, and fought and just worked their way back into this. And the crazy thing is, if you look at how things went uh, for BYU in this game, in the first half, they allowed Iona to score 55 points and to their credit they had 40 points so it was a it was a 15 point deficit at halftime but then in the second half especially in the latter half of the second half BYU goes on to outscore Iona 38 to 17 in the final 20 minutes of this contest and it was just one of the more marvelous comebacks I've seen in a BYU team because they very easily could have said you know what Let's mail it in. We made it the NCAA tournament. That's good enough. But the Cougars just stayed with it, and they just continued to claw and claw and claw and finally got back into it. And then uh, so Machado, reading up on this story, 
pushed a, had a three pointer that a three point play, excuse me, that pushed the lead to seventy to sixty four with five minutes remaining in the game, and then BYU from that point on uh, went on to win the game. Of course, winning at the final tally seventy eight to seventy two. But thinking back on this game, as I was kind of considering different moments in BYU sports history, I felt like this was one that kind of flew under the radar a little bit because BYU fans remember it, but I don't think they remember how big of a rally it was. And the more important thing was it set an NCAA tournament record for the most points uh, overcome in terms of a deficit, 25 in all, for BYU to win this game. And I think it's one of the more... I don't know how I say it, crowning moments of Dave Rose's coaching tenure at BYU. I know that a lot of BYU fans got dissatisfied with some of the things his team did late in his tenure, but during this era, BYU was still very much at the top of their game. They had recently joined the West Coast Conference and I think a lot of BYU fans thought, hey, this could be the launching off point for BYU to really get some things going here. But if you watch that first half of that contest, you were just thinking, man, this sucks. Why am I watching this? Why am I supporting this team? But to their credit, like I said, BYU just stayed with it. They continued to fight and they got back into this game and eventually pulled away and won the game down the stretch. And that's... These are the type of games I think the guys like Noah Hartsock, who's now coaching the high school ranks, Brandon Davies, who's, Brandon Davies, who's playing professionally overseas for FC Barcelona in the EuroLeague. It's the type of game that these players can look back on with fondness, but also draw upon it when they get into tough moments, regardless of whatever else they're doing in their career, whether they're in business or they're in professional basketball, in the case of a Brandon Davies, coaching in the case of a of a Noah Hartsock, they can draw upon that and tell the young men or people around them, hey, I've been in this situation before. Don't give up hope. Just continue to fight. Continue to stay in this. Stay engaged. Make sure that you're doing everything you can do. Control the controllable, to use that expression. And I think that's what BYU showed in this contest in particular. Is they can they controlled what they could control. They clamped down on the defensive end. They did a lot better in that regard. They got better on offense. They were pretty good in offense all night long because 78 points in the college game is impressive, especially when you faced off against a team like Iona, who that season had been the highest scoring team in NCAA basketball, I think averaging over 80 points a game. So to hold them to 72 points, it's an accomplishment, especially after they had put up 55 in the first half and were on their way, it looked like, to 100 points point outing so big credit uh, to BYU and I think it was an easy pick and another great pick here as we look back at great moments in BYU sports history of course BYU rallying to beat Iona in the first round out there in Dayton in 2012 all right it's been a very basketball heavy show and there's going to continue to be some more BYU basketball news we need to talk about here in just a moment before we do that though a request for you guys if you're listening to this podcast and you've been listening for some time please leave us a favorable rating and review especially if you're listening to us on apple podcasts the five star ratings are worth their weight in podcast gold they really help us in terms of uh the the what I'm trying to say, the the algorithm that uh, Apple uses to promote podcasts, if they see people leaving ratings and reviews, they're actually more apt to promote it internally via their algorithms, etc., than they are otherwise. So a request for you guys, leave us a five-star rating if you think we're worthy of that. Also leave us a sentence or two in the comments section, the the review section of what you like about the podcast, and feel free to weigh in anytime you guys want as well on social media, Facebook, Instagram, 
Instagram and Twitter. The show is available there at Locked On Cougars. My personal Twitter feed is at Jacob C. Hatch. If you so desire to follow my personal thoughts and my personal Twitter feed. And if you want to drop the show a note anytime via email, you can do that as well by emailing us at LockedOnBYU at gmail.com. NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I think we all can agree that 2020 has not been the best year of our lives so far. Uh, It's been really rough. Of course, the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, what are they? The killer hornets, the death hornets, whatever they're calling them, that have come in from Asia. They're apparently uh, poised to become an infestation here in the United States. All kinds of awful things have happened in 2020, and it's been a rough year, there's no doubt. But some of the BYU basketball legends of yore have also passed on, and it's kind of sad to continue to see these news stories coming out. But Dick Harmon wrote earlier this week for the Deseret News that Dean Larson, former BYU All-American, he was a member of BYU's Athletic Hall of Fame and a proud cornerstone of Stan Watts' teams in the 1950s that really uh, did some great things for the Cougars, uh, passed away earlier earlier this month on May 4th at the age of 87. Uh, Recently, BYU has seen guys like Herschel Bones Peterson, Roland Minson, Mel Hutchins, and also former uh, BYU coach and former USU slash Utah coach slash player Liddell Anderson also have passed away recently. So it's just, it's crazy to look at some of the names of the legends that have passed on from BYU in terms of their basketball program. Uh, Dick Harmon has a great line here in his latest column for the Deseret News says, all I know is that there's a BYU alumni team organized in heaven. Someone's got good draft picks, and that's absolutely the truth because uh, Dick Harmon just recently wrote a five-part series on the greatness of Kresmir Chosic. If you wanted to read up on one of the greatest BYU basketball players and a Yugoslavian hero, Croatian international, did some great things in a BYU uniform and then went on to really do some great things for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints as well as basketball in Europe. Uh, you can read up on Kresmir Chosic uh, coming up later this month, according to Harmon. It'll be the 25th anniversary of Chosic's death. So, been a lot of sad news in 2020, especially when it comes to BYU basketball, but I wanted to highlight Dean Larson and what he did for a BYU uh, basketball program. He was a six foot one forward, think of that, a guy playing forward at 6'1 back in the 1950s, where what forwards now, if you're not over 6'5 in the modern game, if not taller, you're not even considered a forward, you're considered a guard, but he was a scoring uh, and defending forward from Mesa, Arizona, and Larson... Uh, I really did some great things on the court, but went on to greater things off the court. And I think that Dick Harmon has done a great job chronicling these athletes and what they've done. He talked about how he went to an event where a bunch of these players, including Larson, were in attendance at the Hinkley Alumni Center on Brigham Young University's campus, and they sat down and talked about Stan Watts and the impact he had as a coach in their lives. But uh, Harmon also commented that all of these men have done so many good things 
just overall in their lives, uh, just beyond the basketball court. Uh, Larson was one of the guys who beat uh, was on the team in 1951 when BYU won the NIT championship. At that point, the NIT was much more lucrative and prestigious than the NCAA tournament, and BYU beat Dayton in the finals to win that championship. But they also beat a team that consisted of, of future Boston uh Celtics stars Casey Jones and Bill Russell from the University of San Francisco also took down UCLA in back-to-back games during that season. These BYU teams that guys like Dean Larson and Roland Minson were part of, I don't know how many BYU fans remember how great they were. You'd have to be a, a fairly elderly BYU fan to remember seeing these teams play, but you can read up on these teams, and they truly were impressive. BYU has had some incredible basketball basketball teams in its history. You can think of the Jimmer Fredette uh, era. You can think of Danny Ainge. If you go back to Stan Watts' teams back there in the 1950s slash early 1960s, and they are some of the elite, elite basketball programs for BYU and the incredible part about this was is winning that 1951 NIT championship and I hadn't uh, recalled this until I read it uh, it was Watt's second year as coach at BYU uh, considering they didn't have a practice court the Smith Fieldhouse there in Provo was still under construction so the Cougars played games at Springville High School and the University of Utah to get ready for games that's impressive and everything that these uh, great legends have done for the BYU basketball program they set a foundation and a legacy that is carried on to the modern day I don't know how many of the young men currently with BYU basketball could say I know who Dean Larson was but I think that they do feel the sense of I guess pride uh how else would you describe it uh, the just kind of the 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 weight of the eliteness of BYU's basketball program and the legacy that they're carrying on. That real legacy. It's a term that we throw throw around often, but I think guys like Dean Larson, along with his former teammates, they really set forth what BYU basketball could be, the kind of difference maker it could be in the world with the young men that came from the program, but also what it could do on the court. And I think Mark Pope and his team in the modern day in 2020 carry on a truly impressive legacy so uh, I just wanted to express my condolences and my thoughts and prayers to the Larson family at the passing of their family member and Dean Larson but as Dick Harmon writes the BYU alumni team right now up there in heaven you got quite the matchup and you'd have a hard time finding a better matchup I think in terms of basketball than what BYU uh, recently has had pass on so I think a, a generation one other note real, real quick here is that there's a generation of BYU basketball players who have passed on here but like I said that legacy that they've left in Provo will live on I think Mark Pope and his and his team that program I think they feel uh pride in being part of the BYU basketball program and I think the stuff that guys like Dean Larson did in a BYU uniform way back when really set the framework and the groundwork for what BYU has become today so uh, rest in peace to Dean Larson and like I said our condolences and our thoughts and prayers go out to the Larson family at this time 
Uh, look, that'll do it for today's edition of the podcast. Can't thank you guys enough for your continued support. It's been brought to you today by our good friends at Built Bar. Once again, go to builtbar.com. Use the promo code Locked On. Save ten dollars on your first order. Like I said, a local company based in Utah Valley. So when you order from Built Bar, you're supporting the local economy. And I hope you guys are all being safe, uh, regardless of wherever you're at. Whether your state has lifted restrictions, you're still under quarantine orders. Regardless, I hope you guys are all well. Hug your loved ones a little tighter tonight. Let them know you love them. And hopefully we'll be back with you guys here soon talking BYU sports. Have a great rest of your Thursday. This has been the Locked on Cougars podcast for May 7th, 2020. We will talk to you tomorrow. Listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.